welcome to the West of North London podcast, where we sit down each and every week to answer your big Arsenal questions. I'm Caleb. And I'm Tim. Tim, we're back. We're feeling good. I'm feeling good. Yeah, so it, was a, it was a great uh, week for Arsenal. Yeah, I love these weeks. Let's do this every week. I yeah. don't I, I don't want to have any complaints on this podcast. I just want all positive vibes. <laughs> and it was mostly a positive week. Yeah. I mean, two wins is two wins. You can't complain about that too much. No, not at all. And, and it's nice to it's nice to feel confident, I would say. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a much better feeling than the first uh, start of the season. So, yeah, well, well, we'll get we'll get into why we're feeling so confident in a little bit. But for now, let's let's kick things off with our drink of the week. Because have you have you bought a beer this time? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I now I feel like I have like a, this personal goal of let's see how long I can go without buying beer, <laughs> which is just a dumb goal when you have like a, a beer segment on your show. I mean, yeah, I'm just shooting myself in the foot every week. But <laughs> in my beer glass, this cloudy concoction I have. Mm-hmm. is a vodka soda with lime. Ooh, nice. <laughs> yeah. That seems like a good uh, good way to uh, go with the show. What vodka are you using? Uh, some Tito's. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm, so I'm, going I'm just, classy. I, I'm just digging into my, my liquor cabinet and seeing what I can come <laughs> up with. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is drink of the week, so it can be pretty much anything. So. Yeah, we didn't specify. It had to be beer, but it no. just had a very long streak of, of just beer. So now I'm just all about shaking it up every week. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should uh, do it as a Caleb's cocktail corner. <laughs> if only I was good at making cocktails. I'm just like, ah, oh, this looks good. This looks good. Let's just pour it into a glass. <laughs> And it, it all gets you where you want to go anyways. So I have some friends who are very serious about their cocktails and they'd be ashamed of what I, what I've been putting together. I don't know. I think like, you know, vodka soda is a pretty classic. Yeah. I, I'm not fancy. That's for sure. I, I, I like drinking nice drinks when people hand them to me, but I do not go out of my way to order anything fancy if I'm out, out, out getting at a cocktail bar or something. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of a waste at cocktail bars because I'll usually just go to whatever scotch and or good whiskey they have, and just call it a day that way. But that, you know. it feels classy if you're just sipping on a a, a whiskey. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, I mean, if someone hands me a nice cocktail, and that's not like I'm going to throw it in their face or anything like that. But yeah, my go-to is usually like an old-fashioned or something with whiskey in it, so I don't I don't get too crazy. Yeah, you know. Well, well, tell, you you can uh, hold the fort for the the beer crowd. What do yeah. you got? So I've got a Stemma Brewing. Uh, they're a brewery that's just down the road. I have their Sky Bright Winter Ale. I'm like I'm so excited. It's winter ale time because it's I love a good I don't know spicy malty not super hoppy drink to get cozy with when it's in cold weather. And this is amazing. I love this. I, it's the first I've had it was opening it for this podcast and I'm yeah, pretty much in love with it right now. I would like a whole like winter beer sampler. Mm. That's I feel like I need that in my life. Just several different brands of beer and, and what their winter offerings are. Yeah. I mean, you're about to hit it. You're just starting the winter beer 
season. I mean, it's just fresh hops are still on on tap, and it's and also the uh, Oktoberfest beers are still on tap. But you're starting to move into winter beer season. So yeah, just go down to the uh, the brewery ghetto in uh, Ballard, and you can just bar hop and hit all the winter beers. There we go. I got, and they got to clear the taps of all the pumpkin bullshit. Oh yeah. Although <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed, but I've noticed that there's not been a lot of pumpkin beers this year. I think people have kind of gotten oversaturated with them. Thank goodness. Yeah. That's that's that. It couldn't have happened soon enough. Yeah, and, and just from like a most uh, breweries standpoint, it just doesn't make economic sense for them because you can only have it on for a very short amount of time. Mm-hmm. So the amount of time versus the amount of effort and uh, room it takes to brew them, I can totally see why people are shying away from them. Yeah, just load up on winter ales. Mm-hmm. Start those a little sooner. Exactly. And then, you know, you get to have those on tap all winter long. That's right. Well, the, the weather has certainly changed around here and gotten a little little cooler, a little wetter, a little windier. And so those, those <laughs> winter ales start to sound a little better. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm down for some uh, some hot hot toddies and that sort of thing. This time oh, of yeah. I got into I really got into uh, hot buttered rum last year, which is not good for you because it literally is butter being put into rum. Yeah. But it, it was so tasty. It's a, it's a great winter drink. Maybe I'll do one of those. Or I'll do one a, a hot butter rum for one of these podcasts. That sounds pretty good. I've had a, I've had maybe a handful of butter rums in my life, and they are rich but delicious. Yes. Um. Okay. Let's move on to Tim's bit for this week. Well, my bit, seeing as this is the uh, pre-Halloween show, I was wondering. Which Arsenal player you would dress up in a costume and what costume would you put them in? Hmm. Which Arsenal player would I put into a Halloween costume? And what costume would they be? Let me just repeat the question to buy time. You know, yeah. I mean, I've got <laughs> mine if you want to have a little time to think. Yeah, to give, maybe it'll get my brain working in the right direction. Well, I, I, I don't know if I've seen this before, and it, that's why it's lodged in my mind, but I could see Obama Yang as a good Dracula. Like, I could uh-huh. see him in the cape and the uh-huh. teeth. And maybe it's because he does have very pronounced uh, canines, anyways. But yeah, I would say Obama Yang as Dracula would work for me. Okay. All right. I like it. Um, <laughs> uh, it's, I just thought of, uh, this is probably uh, a little cruel towards Rob Holding, but I was like, man, it wasn't. it, it was just a few months ago he could have pulled off Uncle Fester. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, that works. He's coming out the other side, though. He's he's getting some. He's got some hair now, so he's he's on on the upswing. So no longer a fester. Um, yeah, I, I I always have the problem like visualizing every single person on the team when it comes down mm-hmm. to these questions. Like, there's got to be somebody I'm forgetting that would be perfect. Well, I mean, like, I think holding would also make a good uh, Frankenstein. Uh huh. I could see it. Let's not dwell on the Halloween costumes too much, even though this is our, I guess, our Halloween episode. It's you know, our spooky episode. It's our sp- spooky episode. 
We need a Halloween version of our theme song. Um, on that listeners yeah. uh so let's let's not let's not delay any longer let's get to let's get to the good stuff because we've got a couple games to talk about this week since we had uh the carabao cup game yesterday uh but i don't want to get ahead of ourselves because that while that game was good i felt like the the piece de resistance was was the villa game I, I, to, to me, this felt like, okay, this is, and I know we've said this before. We kind of said this with uh, the Tottenham game and, and game where it, it has come together with multiple goals. We said, this is it. This is what Arsenal needs to do. But I felt like this actually felt like two full halves of, of a, a closer to a complete game rather than the Tottenham game, which felt like a good half. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's interesting you say two full halves because I wouldn't necessarily, and I don't want to like poo-poo it because I do think it was a good game. I really enjoyed it. Anytime you can score three goals and you know get a comfortable victory, but I don't, I wouldn't say it was a complete game. I didn't, at least I didn't feel like it was a complete game. I do feel like the last fifteen minutes, maybe we definitely let our foot off the pedal, and there were some you know scary moments. Not to mention the goal that went in. So I think tempered with it being exciting, I think there still is a lot of room for improvement after the game. But without being too Debbie Downer, yeah, I thought there was a lot of a, a ton of positives to take out of it. I think it's one of Party's best games that he's had for the team. I think Emil Smith Rowe had a, an amazing game. I think we're seeing uh uh Ramsdale really shine as a keeper. So there's there's definitely a lot of positives to take out of it. Mm-hmm. Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's look at look at the the lineup that was out there for this game. Um, any surprises for you? I know we, we we got to see a couple changes from our, our maybe our expected first eleven. Um, I mean, I think there's an obvious thing that pops out, and it, it was uh, Tavares starting, mm-hmm. but you know. I guess with injuries, you can't, <laughs> you can't be too surprised. Yeah. And, you know, whether Tierney was injured or not, it, it's not a bad idea to give him a rest once in a while. And, and when he's not playing at his peak, why not throw Tavares in there? So I, I think it was a good chance to see what he can do. Um, it sounds like T- Tierney is, is injured. So it's, um, it's nice that we have a player that can come in and show as well as he did. Cause I thought Tavares had a really great showing. Like he was maybe not as, um, uh, polished on his finishing, but I think his aggressiveness and the places that he popped up and was able to affect the game. I felt like he was, um, involved, like really well involved in the buildup and, and, I think once he gets that that uh, shot down a little bit, I, he took a couple shots that were a little wild, but it, he still was uh, involved in a way that I felt was really positive from that position and in a different way than we expect maybe from Tierney. I just think they um, they both get up and down really well. They got some Tavares definitely has some speed, uh, but they play they play uh, that role in different ways. And I, I felt like 
it's, it's refreshing to have a, a different look, something that you could bring in. And we've seen Tavares come off the bench uh, frequently to change, change things up. But I, I felt like this was a really good vision of what he can bring to the, the team. And it, it was mostly positive in my mind. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I also think on the flip side, I think that the Palace game wasn't necessarily Tenerini's best game. So mm-hmm. it is nice, whether it is because of rest or if he was holding on to an injury or whatever it is, I think it's nice to have that different player come in. And it also shows that we do have some depth in that position, which is nice because I don't think last year we felt very confident <laughs> with our depth in that position. So having tyranny out for whatever reason and not feeling like it's going to be another disaster is nice. And it, yeah. And, you know, I think we have, we can talk about later, but he had a, a, a near assist and the balls that he was putting in in general looked pretty good. Yeah. You know, uh, Tavares had three, three shots, one on target, um, one key pass. And, uh, you know, defensively he had won a couple aerial duels and it was, he was involved. And I think like, for somebody who hasn't played a whole lot, he looked pretty pretty sharp. So I, I was impressed with with his uh, performance. And like I said, it's nice nice to have somebody come in that isn't Kolasinac or you know like there's there isn't this huge drop off from Tierney, which or at least you know maybe they're not at the same level, but at least it's it's not a huge drop off on the offensive output because I think we've come to rely on that. Um, at least on that left-hand side. And I don't think it's something where it's like, if you don't have the left working, you can just switch everything over to Tomiyasu and, and it's going to start working down the right-hand side instead. So, um, I mean, it's nice to actually be excited to see a different look, you know, mm-hmm. that it wasn't like, it's not like it feels like a patchwork solution. It's like, Oh, this is somebody new, somebody different. And I'm not frightened or afraid or know where our, our weaknesses, I think, that that's always nice. Would you? Th- w- were there any other uh, starters that you were it, surprised by in that lineup? Uh, not necessarily surprised. I, I think Lacazette clearly has been playing well enough lately where it made sense that he was going to get some time in the starting lineup. Um, and I thought that was um, it was a, it was a decent performance from him. Like I think he's. He's such a presence in this team, even though he's on his way out. He's still showing that he wants to play for this team, wants to be a, a, a leader and a support for the younger players. And I, I, I just appreciate everything that he's been doing. And you, you can tell he goes out and works hard. He's not phoning it in in his last last season with us. And I think that's, that's going to show well when he gets uh, the opportunity to go elsewhere i think he's making a good case to get a good contract with another team yeah and i think more than just his play his attitude on the field is what's made arteta really kind of put him in the starting position right now and i i think what he did in the palace game and how when he came on he instantly uh galvanized the team i don't think went unnoticed and I mean, I know he's going away, but I wouldn't hate for him to be the captain over Obama Yang in a lot of ways. I think he mm-hmm. does show a lot more of those qualities than Obama Day, Obama Dang, Obama Yang does. Yeah. 
he does uh, he does a role that nobody else can really uh, fill in this team at the moment. He's he's does the hold up play. He does some of the um, the dirty work, so to speak, as far as the the runs that he makes and and checking back and being involved in the build up. Um, I wouldn't say that this was an outstanding game from him, but I think he did what he was asked to do, and that's uh, um, even if it's just playing off of Aubameyang, I think it's it was um, a pot of a positive performance from him. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to see him getting getting back into this team a little bit more rather than being a peripheral player like he was in the beginning of the season. Yeah, I mean, and that being said, what do you think of his uh, performance in the game? Yeah, I thought it was just fine. I mean, he was it wasn't like anything really stood out to me from Lacazette, but he was uh, he did what he was asked to do, and and that's you know be be a presence in the middle of the field. And, um, you know, we've we've seen so many times where the play kind of goes around the space that he tends to fill, um, but when he's in the game, he tends to find get in there and find the game and, and be a menace to the the opposing team like he will uh do what needs to be done uh to to harass the, t- the other players and we'll, we'll talk about what his role was in this game i mean he, he played a big part in in one of our goals without actually scoring a goal so we'll get to that in a moment but i, th- I felt like that was a, a big turning point in this game um to uh you know solidify arsenal's position so I, I think, like, despite not scoring, he he played a big part. And I know it's only one game, so it's it, it, this might be a, a disingenuous question. But how do you think him being in the lineup and pushing Obama Yang out wide? Do you think that affected Obama Yang's game? Do you think we he was a little worse off because you have uh, Lacazette in the in the center there? Uh. I don't know. Based on where they actually played, I felt like he was, um, you know, they both, they both were able to combine well in the cent in the center. Um, I'm just trying to pull up the heat map here to see where he was. Look at and you like, yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> he's mostly, he's mostly pretty central. And then Aubameyang was, was kind of all over the same areas. So it felt like they were able to combine well with, uh, um, with each other, I, I think it's uh, important to to have them working with each other, and and not like one needs to be central and one needs to be out wide. They they do tend to to push to the middle and not get in each other's way, and I, I think uh, it, it worked in this game. Um, but sometimes we've seen when uh, Aubameyang gets pushed out wide, he doesn't tend to get where he needs to be to be effective. I didn't feel like that was an issue in this game. And it felt like they, they both were able to play centrally without getting in each other's space. I mean, do you think it's almost like a, uh, a false, <laughs> a false winger situation where they, he's on the team sheet as off out wide, but he really is just kind of playing in the center and Tavares is kind of taking up that space. Yeah. I mean, we saw, we saw Emil Smith Rowe kind of taking up that, that, mm-hmm taking up that outside space a lot. Um, and he combined well with, with Aubameyang. Um, so I, I, it's, it's very fluid. I, I, it's hard to say that there's, um, once the game starts, it's really more about where they are defensively. And that, that kind of 
it's a better indicator of where the players are playing um, as opposed to when they have the ball because then it's a little more f- free-flowing. And uh, I think that's um, that worked in this game. I think sometimes you look at you look at these these players and they don't know where they need to be. And this felt like something clicked in this game where it felt like they were um, they were having fun and playing free flowing soccer. But you know it was it was with uh, intent when they didn't have the ball and that that pressure that they were able to put on um, on Villa was really what allowed them to keep keep control in this game i think that was uh the things that we saw in crystal in the crystal palace game really it was amazing to me that we got to this game and it was like oh yeah all those things where they were lacking intensity and and not putting pressure on the the opposing team it, it just seemed to work it's like they they realized that you cannot be passive on the uh, uh, when you don't have the ball, and all of a sudden this game is like they that that went out the window, and they were able to apply pressure without, um, you know, sometimes they 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 push too many people forward, and they get they bite bite a little too hard off on that, and then get caught out on the counter. This that wasn't the case. They were able to control this game, and really, I felt like it. Uh, it was it was a positive performance from the team all around, and they they really looked like they were defending as a team and and causing turnovers, and it was they were doing all the right things to um, control Villa and and make sure that the the game was well in hand. I, it just it was a it was a night and day difference to me at, compared to what what was going on at Crystal Palace, and it, it seems like this was. Um, bit closer to what I expect this team to be going forward, just really pushing together to maintain possession and get the ball back when they didn't have it. So I, that, that to me was the, uh, the difference between uh, Palace and Villa, the Villa game. And I think there's uh, one more lineup difference as well, which is that you had Lukonga starting mm-hmm. in the center partying party, partnering party. And, do you think that is uh, a significant difference in how we played or did he kind of just slot into a role that we were kind of used to seeing? I I think he looked much better in this game than he did previously. Um, I thought he had a really, really good game. I would say he, um, he had a, a couple, you know, straight passes, but for the most part, I feel like he's, He's steadily becoming more solid and understanding what, what he needs to do in that central midfield. Um, and I think he is a good partner for party. I felt like he, he looked like he was uh, able to play both sides of the ball. Like it, defensively, he was in the right areas and was able to um, combine well with party and was able to pick out passes in front of him. So I felt like he... Um, didn't look quite as out of sorts as he did the previous game and, and looked more comfortable and he seems to get more comfortable every week. So I think Lukonga continues to um, make improvements and like he hasn't blown me away yet, but I think he's he's slowly living up to what I expected, expected him to be for this team. Um, and I, I think the less we have to say about him, the better, because like if, he, if he's doing his job, 
then we shouldn't really be talking about him. I don't expect him to be a flashy player by any means. I think he's um, he's the guy that's going to connect the front front to the back and be a defensive shield. And I think if he's doing his job, then we should not be having too much to say about him. And once he uh, gets more acclimated, I, I fully expect he's going to start making some more great passes out of that that position as well. Yeah, and I think uh, we we touched on it briefly uh, last week when we talked about Party being a single point of failure for the mm-hmm. team. And I think when you have Lukonga in the team, it it frees up Party to not be that single point of failure. That you have two points of failure in the midfield, and that that allows Party to uh, to really express himself in the the way. And we saw a much more offensive, I think party than we've really seen in quite some time you know not just the goal he scored but the uh the shot that he had just before that that almost went in he had he took a couple shots he was he was definitely looking more forward than in previous games yeah i thought uh we can talk a bit about the uh the goals that we scored in this game i i I don't want to talk talk around it too much longer um you know, I think the the first goal being uh, kind of a, a thing we've been waiting for for a while. I felt like party was was well overdue to get on the score sheet and to have a a ball that almost goes in a couple minutes before. Like it was kind of a uh, a fluky shot that dinged off the post and. I was like, man, that that was it. That was the one because that was, uh, you know, consider, compared to all the other shots where he's taken them and they've gone. Um, well, we we still haven't found some of those shots. They're still <laughs> still waiting for them to come back. Um, but you know, it's it, it was nice to see him uh, get something on the frame, and then you know, I felt like it was like, oh man, this this might be the game. This might be the one. If he's dinging it off the post, that's a good sign. And then to have one scored off of his shoulder, you know, <laughs> I think him and, and Gabrielle have both scored with their shoulders this season. Um, I felt like that was uh, uh, hopefully, you know, that it, it sometimes players are, are feeling pretty good. Like he was, he was had a couple goals that went in on the international break. Sometimes you just have to get that, that one goal that, really uh get you going with your own team you know i feel like he he's he's probably gonna feel a little bit more confident taking some of those shots um and and maybe he gets them down now you know like i, I sometimes that a little bit a little bit more confidence you're gonna connect a little bit better try 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 a few more things that maybe you wouldn't have tried before not to say that he, he was not trying things, but, <laughs> you know, sometimes it's just about, you know, that a little extra push to like take that up extra couple steps instead of just trying to shoot immediately. You feel a little more confident to drive forward and, you know, scoring that goal might be the thing that gets him um, going at this point. I think that's it's something I've been waiting to see from him. Not I expected like a huge amount of goal scoring from him, but just to be a contributor. Yeah, I mean, like, how how much offensive production do you expect from Party? Do you expect him to be kind of like, I don't know, a you know, ten goal a season, five goal a season? Where 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 are your your expectations for him? I I'd put him somewhere in the middle. You know, if I I would say like five to eight goals a season is not uh, out of the question. I don't expect him to be 
prolific by any means, but he's, I, I think he's more going to be a presence in the box when we have those set pieces. And uh, it's surprising to me that he hasn't been closer scoring with his head or, you know, getting in those um, second ball situations uh, off of set pieces. I just feel like he, he's, he's a, a big body and, and a target that we should be going after more often. And I, I think that he will, will get a few more of those, but in the run of play, I, I don't know how many of those long distance shots are going to start connecting for him all of a sudden, you know, like I think he's got, he's got some work to do to get those dialed in, but if, it, it's great to have somebody who is a threat from distance, but you have to score those once in a while to be a, a like a reliable threat. Like it's, it's, <laughs> it doesn't really count. Hard. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I think you, it's a it's an empty threat unless you're getting him on frame. So it's uh, it'd be nice to see him kind of get closer on those. But I think as far as a, a set piece threat, I, I'd like to see him get more involved in that. And uh, I, I felt like um, Saka was really dialed in on on some of his crosses, and and Emil Smith Rowe's been getting better. And so I think we're we're getting more more players that can put in a good cross into the um, dangerous areas. So if, if party can get on the end of more of those, I, I think that we, this, this team can certainly benefit from having a variety of goal scoring threats. Um, not just a bombing and Lacazette or, you know, Neil Smith throws been getting in on it, but yeah, the more we can spread that around, the better. I think it, it makes Arsenal less predictable. Yeah. And I mean, and speaking of Salka, his, his dead ball and his crosses were really good this this game. I, I was really impressed mm-hmm. with how he was putting the ball into the box. That's a a part of the game I guess I was like intellectually aware of, but it really was highlighted in, in this game. And I thought mm-hmm. that his his service was delightful and something that I, I, I hope we see a lot more of going forward. Yeah, for sure. I, I was surprised um with that contribution. Um, you know, we've seen Pepe do it, putting it on, putting in some of the corners and I felt like in this game, it was just, uh, you know, Saka, Saka just felt like he was dialed in. He was putting him in the dangerous, dangerous spots. And I, more often than not, I feel like we have not been really capitalizing on the set pieces and, and corners that we've been given and, for having a, a set piece coach, I felt like we've been kind of average. Like, <laughs> you you wouldn't think that we've been focusing on that by any means. Um, but maybe that, maybe that's something that's just starting to click, you know, I, I you gotta give, um, thing, things time the players to acclimate to new coaches and new systems. But, um, that would be nice if we could start getting some productivity out of that. I, I think, that's another thing that we could be more dangerous on and getting players like party and um, white and Gabrielle and, and some of our bigger players. I think Tommy Asu is going to be a, could be a good goal scoring threat in those situations as well. Uh, they, it all relies on having good service. So I think getting Saka dialed in and, and looking like he was in this game, it's, it's a real positive because you know, those, those, it's so disappointing when you have those those crosses that don't beat the first man or just cannot find a dangerous spot or go over the entire team. It's it's real frustrating. So 
Yeah, and I, f- I feel like Pepe, who's has whenever he's on and he's been taking those, has been very disappointed in those. I I I don't think he's dialed himself in. So it's nice to have the uh, the option of Sokka. But uh, speaking of uh, set pieces, there was an ultimate set piece, which was the uh, the penalty that had that uh, that Lacazette won, and Aubameyang eventually put away. Well, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I I feel like that was, I I, I guess like Laka was in the right place at the right time and in some ways, and he really put in the effort to um, get between the the defender and the ball. And um, I think when I saw it happening live, I was like, well, you know, th- those things never go our way, so this probably <laughs> won't get called for us. Uh, it was a bit of a bizarre situation because the play occurred and it was right at the end of the half. Uh, and we were, I was kind of waiting for the ref to blow the whistle and maybe go check the, if we were lucky, he would get the VAR call like right at the end, uh, like after the half was called. And, I think it was, it felt like an eternity from when the (laughs) foul actually happened to when they, when they went and reviewed it. And the ball just was not going out of play. I remember that. (laughs) And and that's, that's, that is a frustrating aspect of, of the way that VAR is implemented in in that you have to wait for a a break in the play for uh, ref to do anything about it, which is, I, I understand not, you know, they can't really stop play unless there's a, a, an injury or something to to justify it. So I, I understand that you don't want the flow to be broken up too much by these sorts of things. But um, in this case, it worked in our favor because he did not blow, uh, blow the uh, whistle for the half and instead blew... I, I don't remember if the ball went out or what, what was the break that allowed him to to check on it but uh once once i saw the the replay i felt like it was it was going to go in our favor or at least should go in our favor I, I i shouldn't shouldn't say i was confident by any means um but i think the commentators were i'm, I'm always amazed at what people are able to justify in their minds uh as far as what's a foul and what isn't but some of the commentary was was saying that he was able to get to the ball, and I was just like, "Well, maybe," but he went through through the player, and when you're looking at it in slow motion, you can clearly see Lacazette's leg move significantly from the the kick to the back of his calf uh, as the defender tried to clear the ball out, and uh, I thought about uh, excuse me, Lacazette was. Uh, pretty brave to put his his body in in between the the player and the ball like that and and to really just time that perfectly to to get, draw that penalty i think it was the presence of mind to to get in there and do that um credit all credit to him because that was really uh his his goal i mean it wouldn't have happened without him for sure so uh, yeah i mean po- something positive to take away from var for once <laughs> for once uh, but I mean, it, it is the type of uh, call that I could see as being frustrating. And I think I would be a little frustrated with it if I was on the other end because, I mean, it's not the easiest call to make and I've seen it not given a million mm-hmm. times. 
but the you know specifically the commentator the the American commentator on NBC and I'm forgetting his name right now but I generally he's actually a fairly good commentator but I I, I hate that old trope of well he got the ball mm-hmm. as if that excuses everything that happens in between him getting the ball and you know you can't go through another player to get the ball like my my class example is always like if you stab someone but get the ball first is it okay that you stabbed them <laughs> no, of course not. Like right. getting the ball does not necessarily uh, clear you of all the guilt in it. Uh, and to me, it was very obvious in the uh, slow mo and even in real time that his leg was kicked and moved. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like the uh, <laughs> uh, other other penalties I've seen where it's like it's it's difficult to see. It, it was pretty obvious to me that there was contact made, player went down, and. You, you know, that's generally a cut and dry penalty. Whether they give it or not is is another thing. But yeah. And then what, as you were saying with the uh with the referee not blowing for halftime, it allowed Obama Yang to score on the rebound, which I think is a very lucky, lucky thing. Yeah, what a bizarre rule. Cause if it had blown for halftime uh and then gone to VAR that uh, that ball would have been dead as soon as Emmy Martinez made the save, which all credit to Emmy Martinez. That guy is, uh, that guy's good at his job. Like, I, it wasn't even surprising to me that he stopped it, but I feel like Aubameyang is kind of a predictable uh, penalty taker. I think he goes that direction very often, pretty often. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I it's, uh, was, you're also when you when you push the ball out and and put it in in that area, you're also asking for a bombing to get that rebound because that's kind of his more his specialty than even penalty taking. I think Lacazette's like, <laughs> a penalty. I, I pose the question: If Lacazette would have taken that uh, that penalty, would he have gotten to that rebound? <laughs> I don't remember who responded to me, but they, they said that he wouldn't have. There wouldn't have been a rebound because he would have scored, <laughs> but. Um, you know, it, it, it really fit what Aubameyang does best and that's score in that, in that area and really just be, um, just on his toes, you know, have great reflexes when, when the ball is live in that zone, he, he tends to find it. So, uh, unfortunate, but for, for Martinez, but great for us. I mean, Martinez was devastated after that penalty went in. Like uh, mm-hmm. his teammates had to pick him up off the ground because he did everything. And I think his teammates let him down a little bit too. Just, they could have been faster on the kick and tried to get more involved on the rebound. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, on my end, I'm I'm perfectly happy <laughs> that it went in. And so, yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah. So we go into the half up. Uh, up two goals, which is, I was feeling pretty great. You know, I thought, I thought we got that held that game well under control and, and coming out in the second half, I was like, I think we could, I felt like we could get a couple more. And, uh, it wasn't too long into the second half where, uh, Aubameyang and Smith Rowe combined again, those two, I, I'm liking the chemistry that they have. Cause this is, this is reminiscent of the, uh, uh, the breakaway that, that Smithrow had in the Tottenham game uh, that Aubameyang also set up for him with a quick flick into space. And, you know, we're not a, 
not typically set up as a counterattacking team. Like it's not usually it's it's more of the the plotting uh, build up and a con- kind of a a slower pace to get, getting the ball into scoring positions. But this this development of of uh, Smith Rowe on the break, I really like that look. I like I'd like to see us set up for more of that and that combination with Aubameyang to just really um, take advantage of the the space in behind the defense. Uh, I love it. You know, Smith Rowe has pace. Let's use it. I, I, he's a great dribbler, and I, I despite the the goal being a uh, a little fluky, I guess because it it deflected off of, of a defender to catch Martinez uh, going the wrong way. But I it, I'll take it. I, I think you don't you don't get those goals unless you shoot them hard into dangerous areas, and that's we just need to see more of that. And I think the um you know, the development of Emil Smith-Rowe as a creator and a, a goal scorer, it's just, it's it's really fun to watch this season. He's, he's coming a long way in front of our eyes. And I, I, I don't think he gets that shot on frame last, last year. I think he, w- he was not as good of a shooter. And I, I wouldn't say it's like an amazing shot or anything, but I think he is feeling confident to take that shot. Like, I, I think in... Um, even a few months ago, he, he might have taken that uh, a step too far, you know, like dribbled into defender, you know. I, you see the, the confidence that he's built up to, to actually take that shot in a dangerous spot, and I think that's uh, uh, a credit to him for the, the effort that he's put in to develop his, his shooting and, and get, get to where he is today. I think he's, he's taken leaps to be one of our... Like I, it, it definitely, I felt like when, when we were talking last year, it was like Saka was was way up there for our young players. And then Emil Smith-Rowe was kind of creeping into the conversation. It was kind of a, a late bloomer of the two. And now I kind of put him on par. Like I just feel like it's only a matter of time until Emil Smith-Rowe is in that national team conversation and really has established himself as a uh, a world-class player. I think it's only only a matter of time until he starts getting those same looks. It's funny. I, th- I think you've always been higher than me on Emile Smithrow, and I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I at this point, he's he's not for me in that same level that Sokka is performing. I think Emile Smithrow has the ability to. I don't. I don't think that's in question. I just think he hasn't shown it enough to me. I think this was a, a good game for him, but uh, I don't know. I, I think he's not quite at that soccer level right now, at least in my mind. Uh, I, I do. I mean, getting back to the, the goal, I do think that goal is going to go in deflection or not. I think whatever side of uh, Martinez, it was going, it was going into the goal. So while it was a lucky mm-hmm. deflection, I think it still was going to go in. Yeah, I think he, uh... He may not be as good as, as Saka yet, but I think it's I, I, I think it's only a matter of time and I think Saka is only as good as he is because he's gotten a lot of experience at a young age. Um, you know, getting call the call up to the national team has probably put him another level above where Emil Smith Rowe is at. But I, I think that if he keeps playing this way, it's only a matter of time until he's in that national team conversation and then he gets that 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 boost in his his 
level and 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 i i to me it's been a big difference since he's taken on the mantle of being the, the number 10 for the team just seeing his all-around development kind of um accelerate a little bit in the level of responsibility that he's taking on the field and what he's able to do um you know when uh odegaard isn't playing up to his best or isn't on the field you know Emil Smith Rowe has been picking up the slack on, on being a creator and a linker. And I think that's, um, it, it's just, it's nice to see somebody who was, uh, a revelation mid season last year, kind of now come in and, and feel like he's an established, uh, established star for this team and somebody that we can rely on to show up and, and perform and not just some, um, young up and coming player that is going to be good down the line. I think he's starting to show that he he's got the qualities to be good now and even better in the future. Yeah. But I, I, I do think the key word is starting. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think like words like established and consistent, I wouldn't put into his wheelhouse yet. At least in my opinion, like I think this may be the first game this season that I really feel he's shown a consistent game for a full game, which can be said for the whole Arsenal team. But, you know, I think uh, I'm going to reserve judgment just as I don't want to get too down on players when they get, you know, one or two bad games. I'm not I'm I'm not willing to give him he's there. He's an established player, even a star (laughs) at this point until I see a, a, a little bit more of a run of form from him. Yeah, I, I think uh, you know two two goals to assist for the season is is not like mind blowing numbers, but it's it's solid numbers for compared to the rest of the team. I think he's he's right in the mix as one of our better players, um, and I think that he's always been a, the type that does things that don't show up on stat sheets. Like he is a linker, he is making the runs off off of the ball that draw defenders. And so I think he he's great at creating space and drawing defend drawing defenses away from the, the other players that we need that need the space. Um, so I, I think he does he does those things that uh, you want play you want this team to do. You, like, I, I think a lot of the um, complaints I have about Arsenal uh, are <laughs> being stagnant and not doing enough off of the ball. And I can I can always look to Emil Smith Rowe to do the, those sorts of things and, and do, do the stuff that I know Arteta is looking for this whole team to do. And that's just be a constant menace and, and always moving and always making yourself available and always coming back and playing defense. It's just, it's just a work rate thing. And I think he, he exemplifies that. And that's, uh, um, that, that's all you can ask for. And I think it's just seeing hard work from beginning to end. And when he comes off the field, you can tell that he's put, put it all out there. Oh, yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think uh, his work rate is off the ball movement. There, I mean, there's a lot to love about that guy. I'm just, you know, as I say, I'm still reserving judgment or it's less reserving judgment. I just don't want to put all my hopes on dreams onto a one player that is still kind of developed. I, I still feel he's a developing player and mm-hmm. not a developed player. And I think uh, it's important to keep perspective on the, these types of things. 
Yeah, I think he'll he'll get there, and I think he's even though he's he's really young and has um, only really been in the the first team picture for uh, less than a year, I just think he's he's just made such big big progress in that amount of time, and to and like I said, like to take on the number ten and, and when he resigned that that contract uh, extension uh, to ask for the number ten and really um, want that pressure and, and, and take that head on. I think that just speaks to the the type of uh, player that he is and wants to be. So I hope that he can continue to like live up to that. Cause that is, that is, there is a level of expectation when you have that number on your, your Jersey. And, um, I think if he can, you know, we've seen a lot of young players come and, and go and, and some of them hit that wall that inevitably will happen to a lot of young players where you just um, kind of plateau a little bit. I don't think he's anywhere close to that at this point. I think he's he's on the, um, the upswing, but, you know, it, it, it might happen and it's kind of uh, a test of, of his character to see what he can, uh, how he gets through this season and if he can really... Um, continue to develop and, and stay on that score sheet. Cause I think that's, that is the piece of his game that I, I'm most anxious to see uh, come, come to fruition is, is being a goal scorer because we, we, I think I, I've said it several times that we need more from Emil Smith Rowe and Saka this season, as far as getting um, assists and, and actual goals. Like it's, it's one thing to have the work rate, but you gotta have something to show for it. Oh, definitely. Uh, before we move on to the, from this game, the the only mm-hmm. last piece of action I was interested to hear your opinion about was the the goal that we let in. Is there anything you can take away from it? Is it just one of those goals just happens? Uh, it was a it was one of those like perfectly hit shots, and I, I don't think there was like any. Um, I, I watched it back a couple times, and it was like the. Um, I'm trying to think of who it was that actually scored it. Was it uh, Leon? Uh, no, it was. I'm forgetting his name. It was. Uh, oh, Jacob Ramsey. Yeah, I think he 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 took the ball like off of Leon Bailey's foot, basically. Um, and so, I, I, as far as like a gap in the defense, like maybe they could have done something more, but like I think it was. Leon Bailey had the ball. He was being defended and then Ramsey kind of just came running up from another direction and teed up the perfect shot, kissed kiss the other side of the bar. Um, you know, I, I think Ramsdale was obviously upset, which I'm, I'm always pleased to see because I, you, you can't, you can't be, you can't just let those balls go in and not have some sort of emotion when you're trying to keep a clean sheet. And I appreciate that Ramsdale is always yelling at his players if, if the ball goes in, because there was something that they should have been doing that they weren't obviously. Um, but you know, I, I, I I don't think it was an egregious goal by any means. Like they, it was kind of fluky. It was, it was a well hit shot and, uh, unfortunate that they didn't get the, uh, clean sheet, but I, I, I wasn't that concerned at, you know, with less than 10 minutes in the game, I, I felt like they were st- still had pretty good control of the game. It was, there was maybe a little extra pressure to, at the end there. Cause I think anytime a team scores late in the game, they feel like they can maybe try to get something out of it. But 
you know, bend but don't break. That's that's the goal sometimes. And I think Arsenal did what they had to do to get out of that game. And I, I wasn't like the, I didn't feel like there was a major letdown at the at the end there. It was just one of those things that players can uh, teams can take take uh, advantage of those little momentum shifts. I mean, I think I think there definitely was a momentum shift, and it was coming before that goal went in. You could. Uh, you know, you you had said at the the top of the program that you were excited about a full game put together by Arsenal, and I I, I still, gosh, I'm feeling very Debbie Downer for this <laughs> this win. I, I should. I don't know who you are. I know. Usually, <laughs> the, uh, I I just didn't I just didn't feel like it was a uh, still a complete game. I felt, I mean, uh, worried probably would be over dramatic of a term, but like I didn't I didn't feel like it was a great ending to the game. I don't think we finish strong to be honest uh and so and i think that goal wasn't unfair it wasn't like it was against a run of play or like oh geez it was just a, a stroke of brilliance that they scored it was a stroke it was a good goal that they scored that was hard to defend but i don't think it was against run of play yeah i don't know i didn't feel like the game was um getting away from us you know i think that one thing this team is showing is that, you know, to, to play the way that Arteta wants and to maintain pressure and to um, keep that intensity up throughout the whole game, it, it takes a lot of energy. And I think it is a, uh, if something Arteta has to work with to figure out the, the right strings to pull to get the, the team um, functioning at that level for a full game, and also to get the substitutes right, you know, I think there's that that's part of it as well to make sure that you're um, you're able to maintain control without a big letdown at the end of the games because of fatigue. Uh, it sounds like the um, the way things are going, the five sub rule may be coming to Premier League whether they like it or not, because all the other FAs have uh, voted for it, and that that may become the standard going forward. So. Uh, maybe that would have, maybe that's something that would benefit them in the, <laughs> in the short term. But, you know, I think that definitely helped them when the pandemic was going was to have the, uh, or when the lockdown season was going was to have the, that extra couple of players come, uh, able to come on the field. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that as player fitness, uh, gets better and they get more used to what, what they're, what they're trying to do. We'll see. We'll see more of a full game, but I think, to me, it was more about like not just having one good half. You know, now we're looking at 60, 70 minutes. You know, like we're building up to a full game, and that was this was much closer than we've been all season. So, to me, even though it wasn't uh, a perfect game with no, uh, you know, with the clean sheet, uh, I think we can look to this and say, okay, this is this is much more of what we should be seeing week in and week out, whether it's a, uh, a full 90 minutes of control or just 70 minutes, a win's a win. And that, that at least the, um, the way we played exemplifies what we're trying, what we're trying to do. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I think we, we deserved the win. It was a good, good win. I'm just (laughs) kind of just picking at it just to try and, you know, get the most uh, nuggets out of that game. But yeah, it was a good win. Yeah, so we followed that up with the Carabao Cup game yesterday. 
And this was a very, very different lineup for the, for the team. Um, what, what did I, I, were you surprised at all by the lineup that we saw for the Leeds game? No, I mean, I, I priority wise, yeah, we don't have a lot of cup competitions we're in, anyways. But priority wise, I don't think was the hugest priority. I mean, I was, I, I guess I wasn't that surprised. But seeing Leno again out there, I'm like, oh yeah, we have another goalkeeper there. <laughs> I think he, he had a good game and maybe. As I was watching the game, I was wondering when we're going to sell him, if we're going to try and sell him over the winter window or just keep him for backup and then uh, move him on next uh, next summer. But uh, yeah, other than that, I was just like, yeah, it's about the team I was expecting to play on a, uh, on a, a Carabao Cup game. Yeah, I I think there were, there were some people that were saying, you know, like, like maybe... Arteta is not prioritizing this cup, this cup uh, enough by putting this lineup out there. But to me, this is the only opportunity that a lot of these guys are going to get to see uh, any playing time. Like it, it seems like we've got a fairly established first team. So to keep some of these guys in shape and in the mix, I think you've got to give them uh, minutes where you can. And without Europa League, this, this tournament is kind of it until the FA Cup. And and not to sound like a jerk about it, but it is just the Carabao Cup. It is not the uh, FA Cup. It's like I not to prioritize it. Enough. I mean, to be honest, if we lost the game, I wouldn't. It wouldn't make me sad. I probably wouldn't even think about it again. It's 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 definitely so not high on my priority. I mean, a cup is a cup is a cup, and winning one wouldn't be the end of the world or anything like that. But yeah, I think like oh, go ahead. Well, I just I'd much rather play younger players. I'd much rather not risk some of our senior players in a competition that I'm not too to care that much about and to to get the injury and especially some of our uh, players that are going to be playing the African Cup of Nations as well. Like I'm I'm just fine with the lineup. Yeah, to me like a lot of these guys um we only really want to keep them keep them like the, the, the Carabao Cup to me is more about this is an opportunity to, to get minutes to guys that will not get it otherwise. And we should try to stay in it as long as possible so we have that opportunity because, you know, this, I wouldn't say Arsenal's like an overly, uh, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say we get injured more than other teams, but it does feel like there's, bound to be a few injuries throughout the season that are going to affect our team. Uh, and, and, you know, Jaka is a great example. Um, this stuff comes up and you want to have a guy that can step in and be ready to go. Not to say that, uh, any, you want to see any of these players, uh, step into the starting lineup, but you certainly don't want to see them come in cold without many minutes under their belt. And, uh, for most of these guys, it's been a while since they played last um, but you, you also have, a, you know, like looking at this, uh, lineup, you've got Enkedia who, um, doesn't seem like he's going to be with us going forward. Um, you've got Ainsley Maitland-Niles who's still trying to establish himself as a, as a midfielder. And I, I will say like the more I see him play in the midfield, I am really pretty pleased with the way he looks, not that he's going to um, step in and take over necessarily for Lakanga or party at the moment, but I wouldn't feel 
bad if he had to. Like he's he's got some qualities that I I do like in the midfielder, and uh, he's got some tenacity. And I thought he played really well in that position. Um, you know, El Neni is another player that like you don't want to have to use him, but you want him you want him to have have some minutes under his belt. And uh, we saw Holding come in. Uh, again, I, I don't want to have to see him, but I want him to be ready. But, you know, some of these guys like Suarez, Kalashnach, uh, I just, I don't care. <laughs> like, there's, pe- <laughs> there's people in front in front of them that, are, like, are, yeah. like, we're fine. So, I, like, I'm not too worried about it. But, um, yeah, I, I, I feel like you you got to give minutes to guys where you can and, and hope to keep them as fresh as possible. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, th- there's, there's nobody on the, on this B squad that I'm like, outside of Martinelli, I think Martinelli is the only guy on the, on the field that I was like, man, this guy, we need to get him minutes as much as we can. Yeah. Um, because I want to see him make a, a, a crack at the first team, whether it's off the bench or not. I just feel like he needs more minutes to get to where he needs to be in his career and his, his development. So of all of these players, I felt like uh, Martinelli stood to benefit the most. Um, and uh, I wouldn't say he had an amazing game. He had a decent game, but uh, it's just good to see him out there. Yeah, I mean, and and for me, like, it really drove home how much it, like, just in Kedia, I'm just, like, I'm kind of over at this point. I don't think he's yeah. going to develop to any type of player. And, like, this game really drove that home. Like, he scored the goal. That's that's awesome. It wasn't really an amazing goal. It's kind yeah. of like he got lucky that it actually went in. Yeah, it wasn't the prettiest goals, but they all count. So I'm not going to like take it again. But it's just like I think these are the type of game where you want to see where people are, and you can go like, all right, and Kedia is like very far down on that depth chart. Like I don't. It's not like I'm clamoring to see him do games. Whereas Martinelli, I think, even though he had not the 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 greatest of uh of games, he didn't have the worst of games, and I think you could. I, I would say that I'm much more interested in seeing him getting more first time, first team minutes off that game than I am in Kedia. So that's where mm-hmm. that's where I'm seeing this game having value as far as trying to get to the final and winning it. Again, yeah, it's a cup, sure, but I'm <laughs> it's not it's not going to anger me if next time we play Arteta just starts all the U18 team. <laughs> Well, um, the the one goal I thought was, uh, you know, the the, the Chambers goal was was pretty was pretty good. Like I, I he's one of those players I kind of forget plays for us sometimes, <laughs> um, but he he literally came on and scored seconds later. So you gotta appreciate those those sorts of sub- substitutions that pay off right away. <laughs> I love when that happens when a player does that. Like it just no matter what happens, it, it just it feels good. Yeah, and the co- the coach gets a lot of extra credit for just like do pulling the right string, you know. Like I I don't I don't know that he had a ton a ton <laughs> to do with it, but you know it looks real good when you put a guy in and he scores right away. It makes you look smart. Yeah. So and I actually I was trying to find it out the day of, and then I just got lazy and couldn't do. Who are we playing next in the competition? Uh that's a good question. I think they I, usually I, once the round ends, they're pretty quick about. Uh, is, the next one is it a redraw situation or are we in like a knockout like a bracket sort of situation i uh, believe they redraw after it 
I think they redraw. Um, I'm trying to see. I don't, I don't know if this round is actually done. Well, so most of it, so it was done today, from what I understand. I know I watched a couple of the, like I watched the Liverpool-Preston North End game. I saw that uh, City got knocked out. But uh, it looks like the, the drop takes place on Saturday. Gotcha. Uh, the remaining teams are us, of course, uh, Brentford, Chelsea, Leicester, Liverpool, Spurs, Sunderland, and West Ham. Yeah. So stiff competition going into the next round. But uh, yeah, I, I think for a team that's developing, um, you know, the deeper you go and the more, uh, the tougher the competition is, I, I expect we'll see a, a bit more of a, a tilt towards first team players. Yeah. Um, and not, it's not to say the competition is any more important, but I think like for a team that's trying to develop it, having meaningful games against uh, good competition, good Premier League competition, um, it's great, great development time. So it kind of depends on like where, where it lands in our um, schedule and who the opponent is. But I, I would expect that Arteta is going to tilt the mix a little bit more towards the first team in the next round and, and going forward. Yeah, definitely. I think gone are the times of the uh, the young guns under Wenger, where he just stuck with the uh, the team throughout the whole competition. Yeah, I, I think you know it's it's not the FA Cup, but um, I don't think I don't think Arteta is one to just throw throw competition away. He's going to try to win everything he can. Um, mm. Clearly, he put out a team he thought could could beat Leeds, and, and they did. Uh, but, you know, if we go up against Chelsea or one of the other big teams in the next round, I would imagine we're going to try a little bit harder to put out a, a solid first-team lineup. Oh, definitely. So coming off of two solid wins in a week, um, we go into Saturday's match against Leicester, you know, right a pretty good unbeaten run like how are you feeling about this this team going into going into this match uh, against the ninth ninth place Leicester I mean it's a uh, I think it, we're tied for them on points if I remember correctly and yeah yes we are and just like a, a three goal differential I'm confident I it's a game. It's going to be a tough game. Like, do not get me wrong. Like, and I've I've seen a couple of Leeds games and or Leicester's games, and it's not going to be. I think it's going to be harder than either the Palace game. Probably actually on par with what I expected from uh, from Villa. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely a winnable game. I'm, I'm confident going in. I think we're in the, we're moving in the right direction. I think, you know, our goal scorers are going, scoring goals. We're, we're finally past that point in the first three games where we scored zero goals. I think there's some confidence brewing. I, you know, you mentioned it before, but you know, Smith Rowe getting that goal is going to help him party getting that goal is going to help him. Even though it was a penalty, you know, Aubameyang has a decent goal scoring record at this point. I think I'm, optimistic is would be the mm-hmm. the term i would use coming into this game it's you know a very winnable game 
And it's funny. I remember last year coming into the uh, the Leicester game, we were talking about it being like a very like a bellwether, a uh, a gauge for how this team is developing. And mm-hmm. while that's true, I'm much less nervous about this game mm-hmm. than last year. I just I feel like we have a team. Like I know what we're doing and what we're trying to do, which is like you know this at this point in last season. I don't know. I w- was confident about yeah i feel like it's um lester has caused trouble for us in the past but i feel like we've gotten um decent results like not not anything um we're not blowing them away but they've also found ways to make us uncomfortable i feel like the the strategy of um, using Vardy to draw defenders and then, you know, whoever their second striker is, like uh, Nacho, I think he gets given a lot of space to, to work in behind. And um, I, I feel pretty confident about the way our defense has been ticking. Um, and I... I I'm just curious to see how we go up against a, a counter-attacking side or a, a team that's going to try to, um, you know, take take advantage of, of maybe some of our uh, defensive issues if there are any. I, I think they they look for gaps and they look for places to um, pick away at, at teams, and uh, it'll be a good test. It'll be a good test to see where we're where our defensive line is at. Um, and I think Ramsdale's going to have some work to do. I think it will. It'll be a solid test to see the the progress that we've made and whether this um, unbeaten run is is something that stands stands up to stiffer competition. And and I, you got to beat the teams in front of you if you want to move up the table. So whether it's the the ninth place team or the first place team, we got to find ways to to get wins and, and move up that way. Yeah. And I'm, uh, I think it's going to, I definitely think there's going to be goals in this game. I think it's, it's not going to be a, a shutout mm-hmm. on either side. So yeah, it, I mean, I think, I think it should be a highly entertaining game. If you were neutral, this would be a game I would circle because I think both teams are flawed, but both teams are also have quality. So it should be like just a good game. As an Arsenal fan, I'm very nervous about Vardy scoring against us because I always hate when he scores against us. <laughs> yes. And uh, I think we won't keep a clean sheet, but I think we have every possibility of winning this game. Yeah, and, and it is interesting. Uh, we're in this bunch right now with uh, Man United, Everton, uh, Leicester, and Arsenal all sitting on 14 points. Uh, so a win will, could be a big bump in our, in our, um, standings in the table here. Uh, you know, it depends on how other things fall, fall, but, um, it's interesting to be in a group <laughs> with those, those teams and to be kind of just on the, the precipice of that top five. Cause I think, um, we, we could easily be in the mix with a, a win in this game. Yeah, I mean that's the thing is that uh, it's not only just the four, the teams with fourteen points around us. There are two teams above us with fifteen points, and you know West Ham has seventeen. I mean, 
depending on results. And I actually don't know who's playing who. So there could be some mixes, mixed, mixed things going on there. But uh, we could be in the Champions League spots with a win, which seems crazy to think about. Yeah, I interestingly I mean, enough, interestingly enough, we have Tottenham and Man United playing each other on Saturday. Yeah. So one way or another, we could possibly move move up, up over both one or both of them. Yeah, and so I mean, it it, it shows how much how early the season is still, and that you know, I, I think you know, obviously, I think that the the title is out of our reach, but I think there are. St- Europe is well within our reach, and I think uh, there's plenty of room to move up if we can stay consistent and if if we can win games like this. This is the the next big challenge is to win games against teams that are in our our area. You know, not just beating uh, teams below us, but the teams above us as well. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll take a, a quick break. I want to. Uh, come back and talk a little bit more about the next run of games um, because we, we've got 10 games until Boxing Day and that next run could really you know, say a lot about where Arsenal's at. So let's take a, a short break and when we come back, we're going to look ahead a little bit and, and see if we can figure out where, where we're going to land come Christmas time. So stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back from the break. We're, we're going to take a quick look at the next 10 games because I, I, you know, we're not, we wouldn't quite be halfway through the season, I think, until mid January. But I, I do feel like the, um, wherever you stand at the end of the, the holiday season, it really does tell, kind of set the stage for how the rest of the season's going to go. Uh, you know, Arsenal didn't turn things around until, um, halfway, you know, until Boxing Day last year. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how much we've improved on the first half of last season this year. And um, I feel like we've got, gotten a lot a lot better. But consistency and finding ways to get points uh, on a regular basis is going to be the key to staying in the, the mix for the top places to to even be talking about um europe at the end of the season we're gonna have to find a way to get a good amount of points uh through the festive season so starting with leicester and ending with norwich we've got an interesting mix of of games coming up uh for it's not even the next 10 weeks because it does get a little more congested but um I'm curious to see where you think we're going to land out of 30 points and we'll, we'll revisit this. I think um, at, at uh, you know, after, after the Norwich game, we can come back and see if we are at all close. Oh, I'm going to regret all of this. Uh, <laughs> but I think the, the thing about it is I think it's actually a fairly favorable run of games when looking at it. I mean, overall, I think, Obviously, there's going to be some losses in there. And I think the way the team is now losing against Liverpool is not going to be a surprise. I don't remember if that menu is a home or away game. But uh, 
I think that's going to be a tight, tight game. And, you know, I could see us losing that game. And then also West Ham, the way they are right now, West Ham looks really, really good. I've watched a couple of their games. I watched them in Europe. Mm-hmm. They, if they continue their form, that could be a tough game. But, I, you know, Leicester, I think, is a winnable game. Watford is, we should win that game. Newcastle, thank goodness we're facing them <laughs> before the transfer window. And that's a, a, a winnable game. Uh, Everton might be another close one, but that's something we could win. We should win Southampton. We should beat Leeds and Norwich. So putting in an exact point total, I'm going to go with, I mean, if it's optimistic, I was going to go with 21 points. (laughs) That's exactly what I was going to (laughs) say. But being the more realistic, I'm going to go with 19 points. 19, okay. I yeah, I was going to mathematically possible, but <laughs> somewhere around there. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to spitball and say I want to say that this Leicester game is a win. I'm going to mm-hmm. I'm going to make that prediction. Uh win for Watford, so it's 6. I don't think we're beating Liverpool. I do think we're beating Newcastle, so that's 9. I think we could I think we could tie Man United at least. Uh, so let's say 10 points there. I'd say Everton's a tie, so 11 points. Southampton's a win, 14. I'm going to say we're not going to beat West Ham. Uh, I'd say we'd beat Leeds, so 17. And Norwich, uh, so maybe put me down for 20 points. That seems about, I mean, it's pretty funny. We're both about at the same level. And I think that's about, about right. I mean, you, you never know. Maybe it's overly optimistic though. I mean, like, so we, I guess if you're looking at like the teams that we have lost or drawn to, um, some of them are obvious, like losing to the, the first place team, the third place team makes sense. We weren't quite, weren't quite developed yet. Still getting the teams team together, drawing against a couple teams, you know it's going to happen. So it's um, it, it depends on what Arsenal shows up. It depends on injuries. It depends on uh, a lot of things. But in the next ten games, we can pretty much expect our team to be mostly together. It's after that that it gets a little uh, sketchy through the month month of January with. Uh, uh, AFCON coming up. So yeah, AFCON coming up and you know, like uh, there are still teams. I think the top three is a hard ask for Arsenal at this point. And that's just a reality mm-hmm. check that I think, uh, Liverpool, Chelsea and Man City, were just not at their level. And that's, you know, I'd like us to be at their level and I'm not trying to sound like a Debbie Downer, but I think, uh, realistically, we'd be. Ha- I've used Debbie Downer like five times this episode. Uh, <laughs> you are the Debbie Downer. I know. I don't know why I'm being so depressed. Maybe it's the winter months coming in, but I love winter, so I don't know. Uh, it's that seasonal affective disorder. <laughs> <laughs> well, I get the the opposite. I get really like annoyed at the sunny weather. So, <laughs> but uh, anyways, I uh, I I just don't think we're at that team's level, so we'd be lucky to get po- a point out of those games. But I think the rest of them, we should be getting three points out of. I mean, you're looking at Norwich, Norwich. 
is a garbage team and I don't if we have any Norwich fans listening I apologize but your team is garbage this year uh (laughs) (laughs) and I think Leeds is as we've seen imminently beatable Southampton imminently beatable Everton is a team trying to figure themselves out and again beatable Man United maybe on paper has a better team than us but functionally is not functional (laughs) did you watch that Liverpool Man U game I I didn't uh watch that it's I I do wonder what what team we're going to be facing you know in a few weeks time if that's if if Ole's going to be yeah running that show or not I mean, that would be an asterisk because I think if Menu actually got a decent manager in, it might be a different prospect because yeah. I do have all the time of day for Pogba as a player. I think he actually, I mean, I know he's a legitimately good player and they have, that team is stacked with talent. But right now they're winning because they have talented players, not because they have a good system or a good manager. And... But if we're facing the Man United that played against Liverpool or even against Atlanta in the uh, the Champions League, we we were more than capable of beating that team. Newcastle again is another tricky prospect because they're highly def- dysfunctional now. But if they get a manager that just kind of at least just writes the ship, they could be difficult to beat even before the transfer window. And you know, like skip over Wat- Liverpool, but Watford again, we should beat. Just you know. That that should be an expectation. Yeah, I'm trying to find what the uh, what the point total was for Arsenal uh, last year on Boxing Day to compare. Because if we're sitting at you know 30, 34 points uh, this season, I'd feel pretty good about that. But I don't think we were anywhere near that last year. I can't try to remember what the, what we were at though. I, yeah. I. I but uh, finding that is hard on short notice here. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure we could figure this out at some point, but not on the on the fly. But it, it, because uh, like like by Boxing Day last year was kind of we were still in crisis mode, right? If I remember. Yes. Correctly. Yeah. It was not. It was not looking good. Um, but by the time we get back to, you know, seeing if we were correct on these points, we can maybe find out where we were last year to compare. <laughs> and we'll be very wrong. We'll be on 36 points or something like that. <laughs> if we can come out ahead and get, get more points than, you know, 19, 20 points, you know, I, I'd be floored, really. I'd but, be over the moon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If they can continue to go un, unbeaten for a, a few more games here, you know, get to um, the Liverpool match or something, and, and can have have continued the unbeaten streak, I, I that it's going to really do wonders for our confidence. You know, maybe you can sneak something out against Liverpool. You know, it's it's not like they're unbeatable. It just they're not going to make it easy. I mean, they're not unbeatable, but if you've been watching them the last couple of weeks, they are insane <laughs> yeah i mean they, they haven't lost yet so yeah. it is at this point they are unbeatable but you know <laughs> and uh, yeah i mean i far beat me for me to praise another team but man that 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 team looks scary but we'll we'll get to that when we start playing them yeah i got a, I got a couple more weeks before that um 
So are you going to wake up at 4.30 in the morning for the game on Saturday? <laughs> Good God, no. That's why I have uh, DVR. <laughs> <laughs> I, I probably will get up because I'm a, I'm a maniac and, and love watching things live. And it's also a chance to not have kids bugging me while I'm watching the game. Well, see, uh, the way my schedule works, I'm more likely to still be up at that point. Oh, there you go. Because, I mean, like, depending on the day, I'll get home from work around, like, 1 o'clock. So that's and huh. so yeah, maybe I'll, maybe I will watch it live just on the other end of it. There you go. Well, one way or another, you're, you're gonna we're gonna watch this game and hopefully see uh, an Arsenal win. So fingers crossed, we yeah. find a way to keep climbing the table. That's the key: is just keep moving up. Moving uh, I think that I think that's a good place to stop for this week. We've uh, crammed a lot into this episode. Uh, so let, let's let's put a pin in it for now. We'll we'll, we'll come back to this uh, next week and hopefully have have a, a win another win to talk about. Um, thank you all for for joining us uh, and sticking with us sticking with us to the end here. Uh, if you haven't subscribed wherever you get your podcasts, go hit that button. And if you have, give us a review and let other people know how much you like the podcast or let us know how much we can improve and. We'll do our best. Uh, if you'd like to send in some questions or get in touch with us, there's a few ways you can do that. Uh, Twitter is an easy way. We are at W of N London. Uh, you can always send us an email at westofnorthlondon at gmail.com. Uh, voicemail would be greatly appreciated. We love hearing from you, literally. Uh, anchor.fm slash westofnorthlondon slash message is the, the place you can do that. Uh, we have a Discord, and we like chatting with people there during the games and beyond. So if you want to come chat with us about Arsenal or anything else, uh, send us a message on Twitter or an email, and we will get you hooked up with an invite to the Discord. Um, and we'd love to get more people over there. And we'll, we have a, a whole channel just for, for asking questions, so that's another place you can do that. Yeah. Uh, if you like our thing, oh, go, go. I was go. just going to say, we also do a, a live game day chat too, where, you know, often it's just me and Caleb, but whoever wants to join, we can uh, chat about the game as it's going on. Yeah, we, we definitely want more people. And uh, I, I think we want to branch out into like doing some voice stuff during the game. And um, yeah, we just want to, we want to do more for you. So show us that you want to be involved and we'll, we'll try to get more and more going and uh discord's kind of our, our newest venture so join us over there if you're interested and uh, we'd love to have you uh if you're into the theme song at the top of the show that was from bobcat and they are at bobc.at uh that is their website and so type that into your uh search bar thing <laughs> <laughs> and uh it'll take you to their site where you can find no course to follow which is their latest album and much, much more over there. So that is all for us this week. And as always, see you at the next gun show.